Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares, and by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Testing, testing, testing. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Thursday. Testing out this microphone. All right. It looks like that's where we're going to be right there. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom, the show you are listening to right now. I'm glad you are here. Uh, I'm still on vacation, as you can tell by the fact that absolutely nothing has changed in my work routine, but I'm happy to be here with you. And, uh, you know, oddly enough, the last show I recorded on Christmas, and this show I'm recording on New Year's Eve. And I didn't plan it that way. It just that's just the the way it worked out. Interesting, I think. So a grand total of five people are probably going to hear tonight's show, but <laughs> that's all right. It'll still be waiting there for them when they uh, recover <laughs> in the morning uh, from their their jollies from the night before. Today, hearing from folks who have taken the last symptom fundamentals course online. So I'm looking forward to letting you all hear what they have to say about the course, how they have benefited from it, and what they think of it, and those sorts of things, as well as some other topics that we get into. Before we get into that portion of the show, though, I wanted to read to you a review I recently got on iTunes, or I think it's officially called Apple Podcasts, but uh, here's a review that I got. And uh, it's so nice, I just wanted to share it with you. It's titled, Transformation is Possible. The person says, Since I started listening to The Last Symptom seven months ago, I began to keep a journal of my experiences and observations I made along the way. Even in the short span of seven months, it's amazing to see the difference between my early journal entries and my recent ones. It's almost as if the original author, me, was fired and a new author was brought on to continue, also me. Very strange. While my voice is the same, the point of view from which I write has totally shifted. It's very subtle when reading my journal as a whole, but if I read one of the excerpts from June and another from December, it becomes apparent the author has undergone some sort of awakening, transformation, coming to God moment, or whatever the phrase may be. I am so happy to have stumbled upon the last symptom and want to sincerely thank Brian for all the blood, sweat, and tears he put into this endeavor. 
He chooses to share incredibly personal experiences with his listeners and for me as a person with borderline personality disorder. Nothing is more frightening than exposing my true self to anyone, let alone a bunch of strangers listening to a podcast. But Brian does, and by doing so, I also choose to no longer live in the shame of my own personal experiences. As a result, I have begun to live more authentically and to share with others experiences that I once thought were shameful, experiences which made me shameful, only to learn other people had felt or experienced similar, and I was not alone, a freak, broken, etc. It's in these moments that the magic happens, the light enters me, and the healing takes place, bit by bit. I have nothing but gratitude toward the last symptom for inspiring me to look under my own hood and tweak what needed fixing, and most importantly, realize my engine was never really broken to begin with. Isn't that nice? Now here's what I want to say about that. The person who wrote that review reached out to me later and made their identity known to me. And so I knew who I could respond to to thank them for that review. And this is what I wrote to them. I just saw your review of the Last Symptom podcast on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. I can't thank you enough for having taken the time to do that. I don't think people in general understand how helpful it is to me and my work. Just a couple of negative reviews on Apple Podcasts iTunes can steer so many people away from the information I'm offering for free within the show. And unfortunately, it is usually embittered ex-followers and critics who are most likely to experience high enough levels of motivation to take time out of their lives to write reviews because they want to experience a sense of satisfaction in the payback for all of the terrible things I have done to them. Terrible things like talking into a microphone and writing articles that they would never hear or be exposed to except that they made a purposeful choice to listen to them and to read them. My point is that I never take for granted the gesture of those who take the time to write a positive review for The Last Symptom Podcast, particularly on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, since that is what generates by far the most buzz and reputation. It truly is as valuable to my overall body of work as a $500 donation. So I read this so that you know that if you've been enjoying the show uh, and you would like to support my work in a non-financial way, uh, that this really is a, a wonderful way that you can show your appreciation, you can show your support, uh, because, uh, like I said, just a couple of negative reviews online can turn a lot of people away, uh, unless those couple of negative reviews are dwarfed by the positive reviews. And, you know, that brings me to another review that I got recently. Now, I don't know who wrote this review. I just, I just enjoyed it so much that I wanted to share it with you. It's titled, Finally, Someone Who Understands Borderline Personality Disorder. And the author says, So many people seem to have a black and white opinion about what is valuable 
about what Brian has to say. His podcast defined the symptoms in layman's terms that the psychiatric and psychology industries cannot seem to effectively communicate to people who have this disorder. You don't need to like everything he says. Take what you want and leave the rest. And this is the part of the review where he just, he or she, I don't know if it's a male or female who wrote this, but the author just nails it. <laughs> and uh, I'm so pleased by, by this next part of the review. The person says, my guess is that the people who rate him with a one star are probably people who work in the psychiatric and psychological community. And, and then the person goes on to say, I have spent thousands and thousands of dollars with psychiatrists and psychologists, and none of them have been able to help me understand my condition better than Brian has. So, if you're dissing him, I think you might want to question whether or not it's threatening to what you do for a living. And that just, that's a home run right there, ladies and gentlemen. Because uh, there are two groups of people who leave me negative reviews. There are embittered ex-followers, and uh, there are psychologists and psychiatrists. And it's so amusing to me that a person can, you know, have gone through all their schooling, have gotten all their licensing and everything, they can be doing this for a living and still not understand how apparent their insecurity is to everybody around them except for they themselves. Uh, you know, that, that's, their really, that's their real point of contention with my work is that it, it's, they feel threatened by it. And they are actually in the field of, psych of psychology as a profession and they don't have the insight or the willingness even to stop for a second and really analyze where these feelings that they are experiencing of, of insecurity are coming from. That's amusing to me. Now, that is not to say that everybody in the professional community is like this. Here's another review. So it's titled, Interesting Point of View. And this person says, I'm both a clinician and a recovered psychiatric patient from borderline personality disorder. Uh, and they've scored uh, the last symptom podcast with five stars. I agree that full recovery is possible with hope being at the top of the list. The person says in part. So not everybody, not all psychologists, not all therapists, not all people in the professional community feel threatened by what I have to say but the ones who leave the negative reviews it's pretty clear <laughs> what's going on there and they should use their years of schooling and professional practice to uh, maybe look in the mirror so with that said let me tell you about thelastsymptom.com that's my website full of free resources I hope you'll take advantage of those free resources um, there are also some paid resources, and that's what enables me to do this work at all. Included in those paid resources are the ability to talk to me one-on-one -on, -one on a phone call, also the ability to Zoom conference with me, video conference with me one-on-one, -on -one, and uh, 
Finally, the last symptom, fundamentals course, which is an intensive, I call it a two-week course. It's actually, I've got it divided into 10 days, but there's a lot of information there. And anybody you ask will say, it, it is a lot of information and insights. Also, I talk about the course as being a superior replacement to programs like DBT. Informatively, folks, it is much, much more superior to any of those programs. So if you're interested in insights and in genuinely getting better from an emotional disorder like borderline personality disorder, the last symptom, two-week intensive online fundamentals course is what you're interested in. And you can access that from thelastsymptom.com. With that said, let's get into today's show. And this is part three of uh, some interviews I did with participants of the Last Symptom Fundamentals course. We're going to hear what they think about the course. We're going to hear some things about their lives. You're going to just enjoy the heck out of it. So, With that said, I'm going to let the tape roll. In the meantime, I hope you all have a happy, wonderful evening. Stay safe out there, please. Uh, You know, taxis exist for a reason. You know, we're living in the modern day where you can just get on your phone and get a ride. So if you've you've had too much to drink or whatever, just stay safe. That's my only interest. And uh, because I want you to, you know, to be able to rub shoulders with you on the Facebook education group and out there... uh, in last symptom land. Oh, would you like to know what I'm doing tonight? I'm staying in. I'm not going out. Uh, I might go out and take a walk by the ocean there later tonight once it gets dark and see if I can see any firecrackers, as we call them. And I'll probably have, I I bought some Tennessee uh, moonshine. So I might have some Tennessee moonshine, but you know, I won't be driving. Uh, At most, I'll just be walking along the beach, perhaps. And then later tonight, I'm thinking about maybe splurging on a movie and and just taking it easy. What plans do I have for the rest of my vacation? Is there anything that I have not done yet that I had wanted to do? Yes. I wanted to write a new song while I was here. And I don't have my guitar with me, but I do have my Apple GarageBand. And I thought that I could come up with a good tune and work out some lyrics for a song. And, that, and so that's what I've got planned. Also, um, some painting. I wanted to do some watercolor painting, and I haven't got to do that yet. So only a couple days remaining on this <laughs> vacation of mine. We'll see if I get to do both of those things. Uh, the song, particularly, is something that I'd like to work on. I have a, a theme in mind, and I even have kind of a, a rough tune in mind for how I'd like the song to go. So uh, maybe I'll share that with you guys if... It turns out if it don't, I ain't sharing it with you because <laughs> I, I don't share the, the stuff I'm, I ain't proud of. So you guys stay safe. Here's the show for today. Darren, mind if we go with you? No, I don't mind. So I have a lot of social like speaking anxiety. So I've always, I've always had, I've always just been terrified since the time I was little. So I envy you a little bit, Brian, that you were a speaker. <laughs> And you always said the the worst part was right before you were going to go on, I think. Oh man, I, I was dying a heart attack, a heart attack. Yeah, but I mean, once I, I get up there, the podium, two minutes I, in, I, I'm, I just, I'm good. 
I'd probably just pass out. You know, if I walked out to the podium, I probably wouldn't hey, even be standing anymore. <laughs> listen, I really, I felt like I could have. I felt like this is the worst idea in the world. I can't believe I have to get up in front of like 200 people. And then they'd say, Brian Barnett, come on up here. And I'd be like, oh. first two minutes, I'm telling you, I'm dying inside. I just have to fake it for two minutes. After that, I mean, I couldn't even talk. Like I would just be like frozen, you know? So, and then stumble, if I did talk, I'd stumble over my own words. So if I stumble over my words, it's still from that. So any specific questions, Brian? Well, I would like to point out that I've only had two live classes for the fundamentals course. You were in the very first one mm -hmm. and we've been friends since you've had ups and downs. Yeah, and I, I started listening to you 15 months ago and it took me so five months to get into the class. I mean, that was the first one you gave. So yeah, it was you um, on board early. I've started listening to the pre-recorded just to see how it was. And I'm like, wow, you know, that would have been really cool to, to have that, you know, instead of the live things. version, <laughs> it would have been, it would have been cheaper, but you know, I, I have refined some things. Yeah. And I've I added, did. I've added some things that uh, were not in the first course. I'm more of a reader, if that makes sense. So I have everything screenshotted and I've been working on a book cause I have to crop all the pictures and get them just right. Cause then I just reread it, you know, just, mm -hmm. When I feel like I'm getting rusty, just read it all again. Do you mind if I ask uh, where you're at currently in the pre-recorded version? Oh, I'm just, honestly, I, I'm just right in the, after the introduction. I'm just, okay. but I have been so into my own insights. A little well, background for all of idea. you. I was, uh, so I was born at 24 weeks and I didn't know, but I hear it now from, I've heard it from nurses that say, you know what? anything before 24 weeks, we don't even bother trying to save you. I'm a miracle, you know, and if you knew my condition, which I won't even tell you, but probably wouldn't be able to talk this well. Um, I may not be able to hear. Is there a reason, Darren, why you don't want to tell them what your condition is? Well, it just chokes me up because I, I lived my whole life feeling um, ashamed that I felt the way that I Do felt. Do you think that that would be like a, a milestone for you if you did? Well, no, I, I can, and I have told people, so it's, it's really an interesting thing, but so I've, I spent most of my life feeling, judging my worth based on my differences compared to my peers. Yeah. And it's one of my greatest epiphanies. So I was also raised, well, I didn't have a religious parents, <laughs> but they kind of neglected me over to the religious grandparents where I even adopted some much more unhealthy attitudes and perspectives about, you know, the nature of my feelings, myself and my life. It's, I don't mean to parrot it. I know I parrot stuff. No, that's all right. Um, uh... What really hit me, Brian, is that, so I'm still in the gathering phase and like, I am completely convinced. I am 100% convinced that this is the answer. So it's the application. It's that true perception within myself, like, you talked about how we can know all these things and we can even be convinced that they're right. So I'm in that process of feeling it, like actually really believing it without having to parrot it to myself and think about it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, it does because denial 
we think of denial as being some kind of drastic thing. It doesn't always have to be a drastic thing. It can be um, a reluctance to accept a thing, right? Because our feelings say, I just did a meme yesterday, quotes a recent episode. Uh, let me pull it up real quick because it, it's real relevant. G give me just a second. And real quick, the reason after I tell what I'm going to tell, I'll tell you guys what my condition is. But there's a reason I didn't tell you because I had to realize that my perceived worthlessness, you know, what I'm working with opposed to my true nature, the nature of this disorder, it wasn't developed because of my condition, which I always thought it was. Yeah. So, but I'll, I'll get, and just something hit me from somebody who's very loving, very big in my life. Um, honestly, my only mother, and I never saw her abuse anybody, but she had an attitude. <laughs> she had a perspective yeah. that wasn't in line with what I needed at the time when I was a little kid. So yeah. well, that's, that's what I try to communicate. It, it and I'll, when I express it to you guys, it'll, it's so subtle and it's so simple. And if I express it to people, especially people that have gone through some serious child abuse, physical and everything else, they're like, Oh, that's nothing. That's just love. That's love. Right. And I'm like, well, it's ignorant love. <laughs> so, and I laugh, I try to laugh a lot. I know I try to make it light. Um, but these epiphanies are very painful. Um, did I inter I interrupted you, Brian, you were going to say something. So I'm trying to keep my train of thought going and I haven't. No, I didn't uh, think it, it. no you've got the floor. I don't want to interrupt you. I was just going to so say you, that. You, see you and I, um, there's some differences, but you, you, you know, from talking to me and me talking to you that we come from the same cut of cloth, even though I'm out here in California and you're back there in West Virginia or Ohio. Or yeah, man, you and I, we're, we're, kindred, we're, we're, we're kindred souls for sure. And it's those people, it's those people that raised us <laughs> yeah, and how their uh, attitudes, know, I think, I their think, attitudes uh, and perspectives are the same. <laughs> it is. And you know, um, we, we, we lived our whole lives thinking that they were doing their best, <laughs> that they, they loved us. We modeled ourselves after them. Mm -hmm. And then we, we have to come to terms with the fact that while we thought they were loving us, they were actually mistreating us. We were, we were being dehumanized and, and uh, our dignity was being assaulted daily in the guise of love. That's painful. It's painful enough to say, well, they, they didn't love me. But what's even more painful is that they, they fooled us into thinking they loved us while they were dehumanizing us. That is an injustice on a scale impossible to measure. And then you hear Brian Barnett saying, yeah, you just got to accept that. <laughs> that's not yeah. easy. But that's what I'm asking you to do. And I'm asking you to say, just see that there's, you can't change that. It did happen. There's no fixing it. But once, once your feelings, and this is what goes along with what you said, Darren, intellectually, we, we understand it. This is not an intellectual accomplishment, acceptance. Acceptance is an emotional accomplishment. It's when our emotions stop saying, I don't accept that that happened. 
that something has to explain that that did not happen. And then finally, your emotions say, for whatever reason, because of the work you're doing, maybe because you're exhausted, your feelings say, nothing's ever going to make that not uh, have happened. It, it did happen. It was terribly unjust. And there's no undoing it. Well, I mean, I, I'm like you. I mean, I've come to the term of, or you come to terms with, like, their love was just unhealthy. They, lo they loved me same way I loved my ex of 12 years. I Well, but, you know, I might have only had one of those five facets, Brian, or maybe I had a couple, but I didn't have, I didn't have what it takes to love another human being, and not just her, but my my ex-wife well let's um, can i can i address that just real quick because um th this is another episode i need to do but since we're just talking here and i'm thinking about it we already know that borderline personality disorder makes intimacy true intimacy impossible nobody disputes it nobody will argue with me about that even my critics won't argue about that can you have authentic love without intimacy no, you cannot. So that's part of, or, well, that's an epiphany I had today that I'll mention with you is what I've well, been, you know, so I, I complicate it, but there's the argument right there. If you, anybody who says, no, I, I feel real love. And I keep telling everybody love is not just what you feel. It has to be a quality. Mm -hmm. There's your proof right there. We don't even have to go any further. Genuine love requires genuine intimacy. People mm -hmm. with emotional disorder cannot experience genuine intimacy. So how can they experience genuine love? They can't. I realize part of my struggle is I start to get a little bit healthier. Now I'm like, wow, I was never intimate with her. Like not sexual or I mean, I could never just bear bearing of yeah. one soul to another human being. Yeah. And or, you know, another thing that's that I that I still give to the professional community is, yeah, it's true. Like they say, oh, your feelings weren't validated. Your feelings weren't validated. And guess what? You're the first person that ever said, well, you didn't really say, you say you got to go. You didn't really say this, but this is what I took from you is you got to go back into your life and you got to find those bits and pieces and subtle areas where your feelings were not validated. Yeah, innocent when you were a child yeah because, yeah when i was a child you know once, once you're an adult only you are responsible for validating your own feelings yeah i was talking about else, as a child right? i was talking yeah. about as a child yeah so yeah um, you're right about that so now now i got to get to the thing so it was sunday and you know sunday was an all-day church affair it, i mean you know we got ready for church and we went to church and there was sunday school and then there was church and then after church somebody came over because there was some food cooking and that was all afternoon and then there was bible study in the evening and and i make a joke about it but then it seemed like like monday and tuesday was getting ready to go to church on wednesday and then and then it was thursday friday and saturday was just still getting ready for sunday i mean it was a lifestyle when yeah. we weren't in church we were getting ready to go there so <laughs> you, we're you talking about it right yeah and it was constant i was preached at a lot I, mm -hmm. I probably could have a uh, degree in theology without even any education. Well, you know, some of the conversations I've had with you, I say, boy, this, this, this guy here, he, uh, he knows the Bible. 
yet I used to didn't used to understand why my relationship, why it was a struggle to have a relationship with God. Like, why would God wouldn't love me? I'm a worthless piece of shit. Right. And I struggled and I struggled. So I cried this morning, actually. You know, I just broke down. I was like, this is bullshit. Because then I tried to tell myself, well, I don't believe in God. And I can't deny that either because I do believe in God. So what were the circumstances, Darren? Were you, uh, were you praying or what was the circumstances? No, I was just thinking about denying myself and not validating my own feelings and lying to other people and we're, just not being so, intimate with myself about who I really am and what I truly believe. Does so that make sense? Get, so, yeah, it makes sense. Um, I'm just trying to get an idea of what did you had you just gotten up from bed or were you having breakfast uh, yeah you? i was having some coffee i was just standing by the heater because it was cold you know we, we get uh-huh. cold and really hot here so yeah you can tell eve it was 116 here last summer when we had the fires going holy in mackerel eve you got to come up <laughs> with something better than that <laughs> that's that's super hot but we do 105 106 107 all summer long is this normal for you do you you, you get up in the morning you have your coffee and you, you kind of uh ruminate just let your mind you just think oh this is brutal because i've been going through all this regret and remorse and i mean i'm not pining over my ex but it, this stuff's just coming at me now like the all the shit i've done all the shit I did, all the shit I didn't do. Um, you know what I mean? It's, uh-huh. it's just coming at me. This is for me like this, like this is what I need to feel. This is what I need to process so hey, that I can you, see it. Did you identify with anything that Brad was talking about when he oh, was yeah. talking? In fact, in fact, I probably need to exchange phone numbers with him. Just, you know, my history with AA, you know, just to good, good to talk with, other people about some of these things and share insights and experiences. So back to that. So we used to sit at the kitchen table every Sunday and we would have these people over, right? It'd be people from church or what have you. And my grandma used to always be like, well, you know, Darren, he's a miracle. He's God's miracle. He wasn't even supposed to live. And the doctor said, if he didn't have a good set of lungs, he wouldn't have lived. And then I, as as I got older, I was like, well, maybe that's why I used to yell and scream so much. I had good lungs. (laughs) I used to drive them crazy. I mean, they called them, uh, well, my last name, and then they'd tie the word fits on the end of it. I had these fits, I guess. You know, uh, Derek, I, I just checking the chat. Um, Abby says that she was born at 24 weeks also. Okay. Okay. And I had a heart surgery. They had to wait three months because I had the hole in my heart. And, uh, you know, I mean, from the adult, from when you take all this in as an adult, guess what? You know, I'm a miracle. I am. So that's the adult perspective. But when I was a child, my grandma would say that to everybody. And everybody, oh, 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 you know, all this stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't realize it at the time what was going on. But it was kind of like, I don't fucking feel like that. That's not how I feel. When I go to school, I don't feel like a miracle. I feel different. And, but it was always known that you don't express yourself. Somebody was saying that too. Like, you know, you know, the old saying, Brian, children, children are to be seen and not heard. Yeah. Like you just did, you just, you just didn't have a voice. So I just kept my mouth shut with everything that you've taught us. It's like, I used to get struggled because, well, you know, I'm, I'm a miracle, but I don't feel like a miracle. So 
my feelings for so what I was feeling was wrong because they were right. They were the teachers. They were the gods in my life. You know, I oh, couldn't. Yeah, uh -huh. I can see that. Yeah. So can, so can I explain that just just in case anybody missed it? Okay. Darren's saying everybody's saying this, but he's feeling the opposite. So his feelings must be wrong. That that's pretty deep. So it's the invalidation. We're not There's feeling what they're yep. saying you should be feeling instead. Now here's T and, and so I'm always working on both sides. So that's the unhealthy perspective of it. Well, it wasn't a, it was unhealthy. Their perspective was unhealthy because I wasn't an adult. The truth of the matter is, is I am a miracle, but the unhealthy perspective is that, well, here we go. Now we'll get into a possession. I was not an individual. I was a part of, I was a, a fixture in the family. I was I was the youngest, and so I was just this possession of theirs. You know, I I see myself as that. I I wasn't an object, but I wasn't my own. So then we could go into codependence, and I hate that term. So I'm very dependent. Like I'm the youngest one, and my dad's the only one left alive. Like I'm it, and I don't have children. So it's kind of that weird. you know of. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I was pretty careful. So, um, all right. Anyhow, <laughs> you're going to make me blush now. Um, so back to that. Yeah. So I, the healthy thing would have been for my family and they couldn't, they, well, they, they didn't do it. They didn't have the ability to even think about doing it. That now I could get into ability and capacity. All this stuff's coming at me. Like I work all this shit out in sometimes in short order. Sometimes I get little pieces but they could have come to me and, you know, they could say, hey, how's it going at school? You know, how you how you doing with your peers? Um, You know, this condition, you know, how you were born, you know, how, how does that affect you? How do you feel about that? Because then I could have been like, here you go. Get ready. Pack a lunch. <laughs> you know, you know, the old do saying, think, pack a lunch. That, <laughs> do you think that you would have been, uh, do you think you would have felt comfortable even if they had given you that opportunity out of the blue like that to like well, say what? Well, this is how I feel. Honestly, though, you're exactly right. I'm just, I would have known that subconsciously that it was okay. And you're right. No, subconsciously, I knew you keep your mouth shut. Nobody right. talks yeah. around here except for grandma and grandpa. And it's mostly actually, it's grandpa. Because my, right. some, my That's grandma. That's what I'm thinking. Like, even if they had given you the chance, you would have been like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be strategic here and I'm going <laughs> to lie. Probably so. Right. Yes. So I'm still working through a lot of that. I, I kind of gave you the surface of what was going on. And I remember seeing mm. my grandma. When my grandma would get pissed at my grandpa, uh, you know what? He wasn't getting any dinner. And the thing was, is because he, he wasn't cook getting any... a lot more than just dinner. <laughs> well, you, well, you know, when I was six, seven, eight, I wasn't, didn't understand those things too well. But, right. right. Um, <laughs> it's so hard. I mean, I love my grandpa. He used to take me fishing all the time. He used to come get me out of school early to take me fishing. So all yeah, well, that's, what, that's kind of why I said what I said earlier. I don't want you to not love your grandpa. Well, I don't want I, anybody I, to not love their parents. I don't want anybody to hate anybody. It's just, so that's what I said earlier. You can, you can hate the things that these people did and uh, your, your feeling love for them is not a contradiction. No. And it's, I see other things that he did, like the way he treated his animals. This is mm -hmm. a big one for me now. I, I get off on the, the, or I get away from the fact of, okay, I loved him and 
I also know that, well, I just need to accept who he was and how he was because there's no forgiveness. He's dead and gone. The reason why I can't, everybody says, oh, you just forgive him. And it's like, you know, no, because, and the reality of it is, is he can't meet the requirements. So I'm left with acceptance. You, does, right. Am I right about that? He cannot come back That's from right. the dead and meet the requirements. And even if he were here, I don't think I would be able to express these things to him anyway. So it really comes down to acceptance. And I'm just, I'm reiterating that to you, Brian, because you've talked to me a couple of times and says, Aaron, it sounds like you're just feeling some denial. Like you're just working your way towards some acceptance, you know? And yeah, I'm, it's a tough one, but that's what I'm doing through the work. Is you know, accepting um, we have, you, the, the, first of all, I, I'm just honored that everybody uh, trusts me. And I, I just can't believe I'm sitting here in front of all you guys. Everybody that I talk to has this unique personality type. And I just love every one of them. And uh, Darren, you're one of the most colorful. <laughs> well, I mean, so I, what I'm saying is that, you know, you're one of the ones that I love the most because you're, you're very distinct. I really worked on when everybody else was talking, I was afraid that I, I was going to lose my, what I was thinking about or, and then I'm like, well, I think screw it. Eve had I'll, the same, I'll, Eve had the same fear. That's why she, she wrote down some of the things that she wanted to say. I'm just so, going to, I'm just doing it off the cuff. That's why I asked you if you had questions. Well, okay. When was the last time you robbed a bank? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I know you, we, you and I, we go back a long ways. Um, I will say this. So you're right at the beginning of the pre-recorded fundamentals course. Yeah. And you, you kind of gave us a glimpse, but what's your feedback? Because you've been through the live course. What do you think about the the uh, pre-recorded course so far? I just think it's um, it's a great idea because it doesn't, you know, because when we're in the live course, it seemed like, you know, all of us want to say some things and then we have the the little intermission where we can come back and talk to each other and, right. and share yeah, phone numbers like or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just like you could do it at your own pace. And yeah, it's, it's nice. I hate to say it, I don't, I hate to say it's superior, but it's superior in that there's no distractions. But one thing I wanted to let you, let people know, I don't know if it's like that for them, but first time I heard Brian, so my ex-girlfriend, partner of 12 years, she goes, you got to listen to this guy. Because by this time, we had already, we'd been struggling. I mean, just talk about struggle. I knew I had BPD, but... I mean, I, for all intents and purposes, I was hell on wheels. That, that's how I describe how I behaved. And I listened to Brian, and I still love that podcast, Brian. You talked about the girly calendars at the auto, at the mechanic shop. And I mean, it was just like oh, a storytelling. I was all eyes. Yeah, it was just like a story, like you were telling this story. And kind of breaks my heart to this day that her her push was about me because, you know, it, and, you know, bless her heart, you know, I'm not going to even go into that. No, but when you, I you heard know, that, it, it might be after some time passes, you, you might say, well, it's the best thing that ever happened to me in my, in my whole life. Well, I, I know that it is. And I'm kind of struggle because I got to do my own. I'm only responsible for myself. I mean, I can't control other people. You know, I, I can't right. control what they listen to or what they but, believe. But or just choose. being real, just being real, 
Darren, would you say that really, I mean, cause this is, I, I think this is your primary issue right now is acceptance. I mean, you really get hung up on some of the injustices that you've suffered, don't you? Oh, well, you know, and that's the other thing for people. Like I went through what I call like my crisis began about almost 40 months ago, like almost three years ago. And then I was so destitute, I couldn't afford really to do anything. So then it became into like, okay, so you go to AA, you know, you, you just got to quit drinking. Okay, well, no shit. I've known that for a decade, but you know, so I was doing all the things I needed to do, but then it was county programs. I had a county program. Uh, then I had free like clinics where I could go get therapy and EMDRs and I mean, I was just going to do it all because I'm like, you know what? My life is going to like, it's all, it's bad and it's not going to get better unless I really attack this. I went through all that. And the interesting thing, Brian, is my denial. And we've talked about this. Remember my, my saying that bullshit bolsters denial, bullshit strengthens denial, denial. We, we love to be in denial because we don't want to hurt. We do not want to feel this pain. So if anybody gives us anything that we think is doing us any good, and if, if we start feeling like it's doing pretty good or we're patting ourselves on the back and all this stuff, well, I started to feel better, but then I ended up in a situation where I got back into the same dynamic in the same relationship, and I wasn't even cogniz cognitively thinking about what was going on. And all of us, then, then the shit really hit the fan. I'll just, and I couldn't even... I was lost because I was like, look, I just did all this work. I thought I was better. And now I'm worse than ever. I mean, I became worse than I had ever been. And it's still to this day, it breaks my heart, but I'm, I'm letting all of you know, and well, you're here. So you know that what Brian's saying is true. And when I look at this, it's like, you know what? I tried all that other bullshit and not Brian stuff's not bullshit. I mean, I, well, I should have just say I tried all the bullshit and it, I fell off a ledge. I thought I was at the bottom of my life. I thought I was on rock bottom. Guess what? There's another level. And I fell off that cliff. And then by the everybody's grace, God and my, my ex, she's like, listen to this guy. And I listened to him about five minutes and I got so pissed off. I turned the phone off and pushed it away. And I walked out. I strive for. I strive to piss off every single person. And I, I see because I knew it was the truth. See, I couldn't deny it. I was like, this guy's got the answer. You know, this guy knows what he's talking about. You know, in, in all seriousness, that's, uh, you guys have heard me tell the story about the guy who pissed me off so bad that I, I wanted to punch him. I want to knock something off his mantle. I wanted to storm out of there. And I was just about to do all those things. And at the last minute, I just... I remember sinking back onto that chair and saying, I always get in my own way. And I was on the verge of tears. I, I didn't want to cry in front of the guy because I was just pulling like this real tough guy thing. And I, and then I just surrendered like that. And <clears throat> that was a, that was a big turning point for me. It was a big turning point because he wasn't saying anything I could disagree with. I just didn't like how he was saying it. <laughs> And uh, the fact that I surrendered in that moment is kind of a miracle that I surrendered in that moment because if I had walked out of there, I, I just wouldn't be, be here now. And so it was some kind of inner 
honesty with myself that caused me to surrender when it most mattered. And that guy, he got up and he walked over <laughs> and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get emotional if I think about it too much, but he put his arm around me and said, it's, it's all right. After I had just about jumped up and punched him in the face and he got up and put his arm around me and said, it's all right. Because he saw, he saw me give up <laughs> and we don't think of giving up as being this great positive thing. Right. But in this case, it is giving up is really great. And there's some irony in that. Never give up. Never give up, they say. And well, you know, Brian, and that's what it we got to do. It took me five more months, though, from that first time hearing the podcast. Yeah, but if it takes you 10 years, it doesn't matter as long as it happens. Well, but what, what I really wanted to talk to people out there is if, the, if they're just listening to your podcast and they ain't really, like, maybe if there's nothing, like, if they're really just trying to grasp it all, like, some of your stuff is just like Greek. Like that's the denial that was still in place. I couldn't really hear it. I could hear some of it, but I couldn't apply it. It was like oranges and fish eyeballs, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Excuse the language, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but when I took your class. That's so, my best episode. But that is the beauty of the pre-recorded course because you're like, okay, this is what all those podcasts mean. This is where that comes from. And so once it's all broken down, it's like, whoa, oh, then life, then things are just clicking and, you know, we're getting insights immediately. And then it's like, oh my God, like this is, this is heavy. This is too deep. Thank you for and that. I guess, I, I guess I, one. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. One thing about that breaks my heart and it's, and I'll, I'll just put that to rest my care for my ex now isn't like this pining codependent thing that it used to be, mm -hmm. but you know, her denial. And I don't, I can't worry about it. I'm just want people to understand where, you know, you're talking about my acceptance for me, it's just accepting that she's going to have to do just whatever she's going to have to do. Because as you, you know, she's Brian, she used to donate to your, to you and listen to you. She did. She did. She supported me. Yeah. But I think, and I'm not, I don't know. And, you know, I thought, here's the thing is, and we won't talk about all the egregious things that I did over the years, but I had finally come to this place where it's should. like, I think we're just, we'll divide it into chapters. Well, we, yeah, we need another, we need another, <laughs> another show. I'm kidding. Dedicated to me. It's got to be dedicated to me. So, but, you know, I kind of really felt like, wow, babe, like th this is it. We, we can finally, we don't have to go through this shit anymore but it was already too late. Yeah. Well, you know, the you know, thing so, I'd say about that, Darren, is that there me. is a common, there is a combination of things right there, right? It's, it is acceptance, but it's also regret. Regret is the appropriate. Well, let's say, let's put it this way. It's the constructive emotion. When people are doing things that we personally don't think is best for them, right? Guilt's not appropriate. Shame's not appropriate. There's no other thing that's appropriate. It's just regret. And regret is kind of a beautiful emotion because I regret the Holocaust. Um, I regret all the atrocities that happened to the, uh, the Cherokee. You know, my mentor was Cherokee. So every time I read any atrocity about Cherokee Indian, 
I have great regret, but I didn't participate. I couldn't have prevented it. Nothing will ever change it. And regret is one of those emotions. It's like, it's a negative feeling, but uh, it's not accepting culpability in any way, right? It's not saying I could have prevented it. Regret is so, it's so, I mean, as far as negative emotions go, it's so useful because it's so uh, elastic. I mean, it can just be used in so many circumstances. Oh, that your cat got ran over. I regret that. (laughs) And you can feel negative, bad feelings about it without being involved in it. Right. And so your, your ex is kind of like that. You can't control her. She's got nothing to do with you now. Well, you know, and on to be honest with you too, I'm not really so mad with her. I I have a we'll talk about this later, you and me, and but you I have a disdain. Not for like my therapist, because I give her shit. I give my therapist shit. Are you still seeing the same one that you were seeing? Yeah, the... she works for me. I don't work for her, so <laughs> right? she listen she well, listens to me. That's the way it should be. <laughs> And I almost fired her once, and I told her that. I good, said, good. She I said, should be on her toes. You keep her I on said, her toes. I said, you want to keep your job? I said, start listening to me because you're full of shit. <laughs> that's the way it should be. <laughs> Truly, that's the way it should be. There are so many out there. You could drop her and have a new one tomorrow. So, really, they, they are working for you. I, myself, was never um, a victim of any physical abuse or anything. Well, actually, so I take it back. So from zero to five years old, I have no memory. My mom had a boyfriend. like that too. He he can't. Yeah, see, so I had my mom. My mom was just really. I mean, well, we won't even go into that. Um, She did. She took me. See, my family was like this too. They're like, oh, well, a little kid should be with their mom. So because my parents were separated. So and then my mom had a boyfriend. So I was like two or three years old, and I guess so. He started whipping on me. So I had all these bruises all over my legs and everything. And he immediately left because he knew what was coming. It was going to be my grandpa and my uncle and my dad. He was going to get his, he was going to get an ass whipping for whatever he did to me. So everybody went to the hospital. Well, that guy was gone, never to be seen or heard from again. You know, and my, my mom had her troubles. And, and not and, just your mom's attitude, but the, right. the co-conspirators. All of them. It, I mean, even, right. so even somebody that had no hand in raising me, here's my thing. This is a funny story about my uncle. Same thing you're talking about. So he used to say, you know, Darren, he'd put his arm around me and we'd be drinking a beer. He'd say, you're my favorite nephew. Oh, by the way, you're the only one. Well, that, <laughs> I am. Okay, I'm the so only that nephew. Falls, that is exactly <laughs> what I was talking about. Giving yeah. a compliment, taking it away. He's just and, a constant joke. And they do it in a, you know, it's a passive aggressive type of thing. They, they do it in a way that if you don't know what you're seeing, you think it's just humor or charm. That's, that's the insidious thing about it. That's a perfect example. It, it's, it goes right in. I mean, it's a perfect example of my father saying, Hey, you cooked a great, you spent 12 hours on this. You did a great job. Can't believe you didn't burn it. You give it, take it away. Give it, take it away. I bet if you examined the various people in your life 
and various instances like that, you'll, you'll see that everybody is doing that. Well, it was my, that my point in saying that was that, I mean, and I use that to look at the attitude that was across my whole family. Now my family's different. A lot of people's families are just very spread out or I, whenever somebody says, Oh no, my family, they live on the East coast and we never talk and I don't ever see them every once. In a, and then we were close. I mean, we were like, it was patriarchal. And then my grandpa died and then it was matriarchal. Well, I, hey, listen, it, Appalach, Appalachian culture is like that. It's uh, Hatfields and McCoys. You guys yeah. know Hatfields and McCoys, right? Uh, Eve, do you know about the Hatfields and McCoys? Um, do you remember the old cartoons about the, the old hillbillies fighting against each other? Big long beards. Okay, so and Abby doesn't recognize that. Okay, so it's a it's a historical thing. The the Hatfields and McCoys is this great historical family feud that actually happened in West Virginia and Kentucky. Not not 20 minutes from me. They, they still live here. Those families still live here. But they got into this huge feud, and it was all Hatfields against McCoys. The Hatfield family against the McCoy family. And, um, I mean, there were people died. There was, And it went on for, like, years and years and years and years and years. It's, I guess real anyway. quick, and I, I'll end it, Brian, I guess. I'll let somebody else go. Um, that thing about trauma, you know, I mean, it didn't, it didn't happen to me. It didn't happen to me. So it didn't. So then again, it never made sense. I'm like, I thought I was like, God, I must have a mental illness. Everybody else in this family is okay. And I'm the crazy one. And so it must be because I was born with this premature, you know, this condition and, and, and then my mom gave me up and blah, blah, blah. You know, I was just, this, this is, well, you know, when, Derek, we try it, to make it, sense it, of these things. It really depends on how you decide to define trauma. What meant physical? You know, you um, know? there are people who, who would look at your situation and say, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of traumatic things in your life. Whether you define it that, you know, as traumatic or not, um, I, I think of trauma as PTSD. I mean, if you just want to get honest about it. My grandfather now, came what, back. Wasn't sexually abused and physically abused, but I was. I was. I think. I think of trauma as being a sexual rape too. Yeah, I think I would think of a, a sexual rape as fitting into the category of trauma, whereas it leaves like a, a post-traumatic stress disorder, right? My my grandfather come back from World War II. He he fought at the Battle of Normandy. So if you ever watch Saving Private Ryan. And I saw that in the theater at the beginning, I was sitting three rows back the beginning of saving private Ryan 10 minutes into it. I wanted out. I wanted out of there because it, there, you know, we probably forget because there's been so many movies like it since then, but until then there had never been a movie like saving private Ryan. And we were sitting three rows, me and Jordan, my friend who died, sitting three rows back and I felt like I was there and I was scared and I wanted out. Everything was horrifying. I wanted out. And he leaned over and he said, your grandfather was there. He was right there. It's like one of these actors is your grandfather. To me, that's, that's post-traumatic stress. It's like you come out of something like that and your fear response, 
you cannot turn it off. Borderline personality disorder is not PTSD. It's not your fear being stuck. So every once in a while I get people saying, you know, so-and-so uh, genius, famous uh, psychologist says that BPD and PTSD, they're the same thing. I don't care how famous he is. That guy is full of shit. It's not the same thing because I was never in a war <laughs> and I never experienced any kind of fear like that. But I, I, I figure that people who experience like, uh, you know, a, a rape or something like that do experience that same nature of fear. Let me see. I've got some chats here. Let me, I just want to check the chats here. I guess so a defining moment. There you go. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know. Because it, it's a given that, you know, I mean, so, I, I didn't understand what Brian, what you were saying about how, you know, if, if two like unhealthy people get with unhealthy people, right? It's just how it works. Because if people, I mean, emotionally healthy people, yeah, that's just the way they works. don't stick around very long. It don't take very long till the, you no. know, till a, the a shit floats to the top or whatever, you know, something like that. You know, it's like me. Um, it's like me. I say I never, I never want to have anything to do with uh, heroin. All right, does not appeal to me. I don't want to ever, ever even get near that stuff. And then I meet some girl. She's like, hi. I mean, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever met. Charming. And she goes, I'm a heroin addict. I love heroin. Have you ever tried heroin? I go, bye-bye. Uh, uh, I think I'm, I'm going to move on to the next person. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Good luck. I mean, I hope the best for you, but I'm going to move on to the next person. It's not that I hate her, but I don't want to, I don't want to get involved with that, right? That's what emotional health and emotional unhealth is like. Once you get emotional, emotionally healthy, it's not like some kind of, you're not like a, some kind of mystical creature, like a unicorn or anything like that. Literally, when you're emotionally healthy, it, it only means you have an accurate perception of feeling self in life. And what that also means is that you recognize when other people do not have an accurate perception of feeling self and life. And it's so contrary to you. It's like that heroin addict. There's, there's just no common ground there. You don't, you don't want to bring, you're thinking about your future children and stuff. And you're like, I'm going to get into a relationship with this person and have kids with her. And I know what to expect. What I can expect is exactly contrary to what I want. You see, that's the thing with emotional health and emotional unhealth. When people do not perceive accurately, feel on self and life, you say, you're a great person. I mean, you are a great person. You, you just, you don't have these things down and it's not going to work. You don't want anything to do with it. it it's, it's not I, a harmonious I, relationship. It's I not that they're bad. It's not that they're bad, right? It's just, it's they're unhealthy. Good or bad has nothing to do with it. It's that they're not healthy.